Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Happy Father's Day. It's great to see everyone, all you dads out there. You know, it's, it's, uh, we're in a culture right now that doesn't seem to uh, talk dads up too much. But I just want to let you know, guys, it's, it's okay to be a dude and it's okay to be a dad. And what this country needs you to be the best godly dad that you can be. And that will change the world. Now, I say that on Mother's Day as well. So, guys, just know that God created you for this moment and for you to rise up, make an impact in our culture. Well, we're starting a new series, and, I, and I, it's really a good series. It's one that God really spoke to me about. You know, we're coming out of COVID-19, and is anybody else, like, uh, uh, you know, feeling really excited about all of it? I mean, there's just, like, this energy. Um, I, I've had to determine that, you know, I've, I mean, I know you're, if you're new to the church, you may be a little, put, you know, surprised by this, but... Um, I had to kind of realize, well, how, how many beers am I allowed to drink? Um, how many, how, what kind of, what am I supposed to be doing at parties and things like that? And it's like, well, wait a minute. Uh, it's like I'm learning temperance all over again because all of a sudden this door has been open for all these opportunities that we haven't had in a while. And now it's like, okay, wait a minute. I gotta, I gotta remind myself, okay, you know, you can't be drinking, you know, the whole, you know, six pack at this party or anything like that. And, and so what I've been noticing is that culture has just been, we've just run out the door. We've taken our masks off and we're just out there enjoying the bliss, just having a party and, and having a good time. And, and for the most part, I think, I think that's cool. I, I think America needed to get out and exhale a little bit and to enjoy life once again. So some of us are going to concerts, you know, uh, we're, we're going back to neighborhood pools and um, we're eating out. You know, there's a lot of, I didn't know that Rodney Scott restaurant was in Charleston. I went down there and I got me some barbecue, but you know, for two years I've been afraid to go out and eat someplace and man, Charleston is loaded with great restaurants. And so to get out there and get some of this taste is amazing. Uh, shopping at your favorite store, I haven't been in Target's in over two years and it hasn't been just because of COVID. It's just, you know, Target's wasn't my thing, but it's just great to be able to go someplace, maybe to go on an Alaskan cruise or, uh, Anybody else waiting to attend football games? Oh my goodness, can't wait to get, Carolina plays the, Pan, uh, the Patriots coming up and, and I can't wait to see Cam Newton come back and play against Carolina. I, I'm probably gonna be at that game. I wanna be at that game. I wanna get out and, and enjoy myself and be a part of this festivities. And I think we all wanna be refreshed. And uh, we got to remember, God created five senses in the human experience in our physiology. And there's nothing wrong with not wasting one of those senses. You know, so we're back to the place where we're enjoying life. We're beginning to taste life again. And, and sure, there's going to be some excess. And they immediately put up pictures on the web or on the, uh, on the news about, you know, some party in Florida. They always pick on Florida for some reason. Apparently, apparently if you're going to go to excess anywhere in the planet, you got to go to Florida to do it. But they're always showing like getting too crazy about a party or something like that. And, and sure, there may be some excesses that go on. But I think the real challenge is going to be is, is making sure that we meet her and figure out what do we think this is going to do for us? You know, what, what, is, what is all this going to do for us? Because it is fun. Um, but what do we think that being demasked and running out the front door and now we can get back to life, 
uh, what do we think it's going to do for our marriages? I mean, now that America seems to be coming back, what do we think it's going to do for our marriages? What do we think it's going to do for our anxieties? Or do we think it's going to give us this incredible joy to life again? The joy is going to come streaming in now because I can, I can drink a Budweiser with a couple friends of mine or because I can go to a NASCAR event or I can, I can go to a concert or whatever it may be. It's like all of a sudden, what do we think it's going to do for us? What do we think it will stir up? Will it stir up purpose for us now that we're unmasked? I really do believe that God wants us refreshed, and that's what this series is going to be about. I believe God does want us to be joy-filled, purpose-directed, and anxiety-free individuals. And I really believe, without a doubt, that we can have it. I mean, I think that's exactly what God created us for, and I think that's what God wants us to have, and I really believe that we can have it. I mean, when you look at the intention of God from the very beginning, it is absolutely amazing. When God's making all this stuff in the, in the book of Genesis, when it's all being laid out, we don't hear him talking about, well, you know, I better not make too much of that because, you know, they'll get carried away with that. And I better not make, you know, make that happen over here because, you know, they'll, they'll distill it and drink it. And, you know, and, but you know, rather God says, I'm going to make life. And I'm going to make life good. And I'm going to present it to these people. And I'm going to, I love what life is. And, and God's energetic about it. And he speaks over it. He talks about it. And he describes it as good. It's like God is making good stuff. You know, I finally got to the point where if you're in Charleston, having a pool is a really cool thing to have. And, and it, you know, we ordered our pool like months ago, then it took months for them to put it in. And, and now the thing is finally up and it's running and, and all the grandkids are in it and just having a blast with it. And, and it's just fun. But, you know, when I, when I set out to do this project, I knew I was doing something good. I knew I was doing something that would be exciting, something that would be fun, something that we'd all get wet. Oh, sure, there'll be some Duncan in there. And sure, there'll be some chicken fights going on. And, and yeah, the, the, the older one will hold the younger one a little bit underwater too long. And, and all that stuff's going to happen. But when I look at the pool, and I look at the expense, and I look at the time, and, and I'm out there, oh, I, I, I'm just going to say, I'm competitive. I've always been competitive. Yes, I got three ruptured back, discs in my back, so I I can't do a lot of stuff anymore, but I'll put my pool water up against your pool water any day. I don't know what your pH rating is right now, but my alkalines are perfect, absolutely perfect. Okay, the hardness of my water and the amount of free chlorine that I have going around. I mean, and so why do I do all that stuff? Why do I have my little test tubes and my little kits out there and my little swatches and, and all my chemicals underneath my, I mean, I'm surprised Homeland Security has not come by my house yet. I have got so many chemicals underneath my back deck. Don't drop a match uh, on my back deck, but I've got so many. Why do I do that? It's because I'm mixing together a beautiful experience. And see, God didn't put life together so that we would be miserable, but rather God was putting together something so that we would experience blessings in our life. You know, it wasn't a God who created a system of suffering so that we can become spiritual and hate everything about life. So many people who become religious and spiritual are like, well, the meaning of life is suffering and God wants us to learn through suffering how we suck so that life can suck so that we can want something else other than life and we'll choose him. I mean, I don't know. I've been looking at life and enjoying life and I've had some bad moments and some good moments in life. God looks good up against anything. 
God doesn't have to make life suck in order for him to look good. Okay, that's not his purpose, that's not his calling. Jesus comes along and says, I have come that you may have life. And by the way, I, I want you to have it abundantly. I mean, I really want you to get this life thing. I really want you to have it. The apostle John tells his disciples that he's praying for them and he prays an, an outrageous prayer. I pray that you may prosper as your souls prosper. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, you're wanting my life to get better on all terms? It's like, yeah. I want, it to, I want your life to be good. See, the dew of heaven is the blessings of God. And God wants you to live the dew. He really does. He wants you to live the dew. Uh, the whole idea comes to us from Scripture about God wanting us to live the dew. Let me read you a couple of verses out of Genesis 27. And Isaac prayed for Israel, and he prayed, Now may God give you of the dew of heaven and in the fatness of the earth and in the abundance of the grain of the new wine. That Israel dwells in security, the foundation of Jacob secluded in a land of grain, new wine, his heavens also drop down dew. It becomes clear and clear as we take a look at the story of, of Adam and Eve in the garden and the description of their relationship with God, this idea of dew is a biblical one. But before we get into that, let's, let's stop and take a look at some science. Because dew is a really interesting thing. Um, uh, at first glance, you may define dew as the misty drops of water that appear on a plant in the morning or in the evening. If you live in Charleston and have been here for a while, I thought I bought a house with double-pane uh, glass that was supposed to separate it so that air conditioning wouldn't leak the house. But every morning I am reminded when I look out the windows, all the drips of, of the dew that is just coming down the outside of the glass. But regardless of how hot it gets, the dew provides the leaves a refreshment, a, respite, uh, um, a respite, um, so that in the middle of the heat that they can survive. But when you begin to look at dew, you gotta look at dew point. Now when I looked at dew point, dew point seems to be the time and the temperature of the surrounding atmosphere um, and also has to do with the objects that are in this, in this environment that when that temperature goes low enough that the water molecules begin to turn from a gas into a liquid state and it becomes misty outside. We begin to get a little bit of a fog light type thing. But when the dew point is accelerated because the object is colder than the surrounding air, all of a sudden, that air, when it touches that object, like the window outside your house or a planter on your back porch, all of a sudden, that cold air, that, that temperature causes the air to release the water that's in it. I mean, it's, it's really cool. So it, there's something that's taking place. There's a correlation between the amount of moisture that's in the air and the temperature of the object. And then when those two become aligned, when there's a correlation between the object's temperature and the air, surrounding air's temperature, all of a sudden, dew appears. Now, we're going to take that concept into the book of Genesis and we're going to see how there is a correlation between you and your relationship with God and when it makes contact and when blessings flow into your life. You may feel like your life is not blessed and you don't sense the presence of God in your life. Well, it's not because God's not there. It's not that there isn't water in the atmosphere. 
is that maybe the temperature of the object is not at the place where God can release its blessings to the object. And so we're going to find out more about how to live in the dew. So back to God in the garden and Adam and Eve. See, through their relationship, God and Adam and Eve lived the dew. I mean, we're told in Scripture we get this idea of paradise. And one of the things about paradise is not just a lot of plants, but it's this idea that God would come down in the cool of the evening and he would apparently fellowship with Adam and Eve. Um, we don't know exactly much about it, but we do know that in the cool of the evening, when Adam sinned and he heard God in the garden, we're told that he was afraid, not because God was in the garden, so apparently he was used to that, but rather that he was naked and God was in the garden, meaning he had done something wrong. He was exposed and he knew God was going to talk to him about it. But it always seemed that when the cool of the evening came, because to say the cool of the evening is almost to say exactly the same thing as the dew point. Because when the cool of the evening comes, when the temperature of the surrounding atmosphere lowers, all of a sudden, now the water moisture in the air begins to release itself. So when the dew would normally appear, it seems that that's when God usually appeared. It's like, what a beautiful correlation. You know, wouldn't, aren't you in a place in life when things get hot where you would like God to appear in your life as a refreshing dew, as someone that brings blessings into your life at difficult times? So this idea of dew and presence seems to be a correlation, kind of a really cool scientific metaphor that God's using. Now, so remember, when this occurs, this is just imagery God's communicating to us through. Do not, when you go out in the morning and you find water on your plants, uh, please do not confuse this in some avatar kind of way that God is on your plants, all right? I mean, because sometimes people would be like, wow, he just told me God and the dew are the same thing. No, it's, it, we're, we're working in the, re the realm of scientific metaphor. But this is probably the last time that Adam and Eve are going to experience this sense of correlation, rightly related with God, walking with God, the dew appearing, the presence of God coming, being fearless before God, just living life before him with all the blessings of paradise. See, something happened. And just like with dew point, blessing from the object has got to be right when it meets the saturation of the air that blessings flow from a God-defined relationship with God. Bottom line, I don't care how else you hear this in America. I don't care what other religion you hear it from. I don't care if, I, I mean, because we're all about blessings, we're all about bliss in the United States, and we're all, we're told a lot of things, but the scripture is very clear that blessings flow from a God-defined relationship with God meaning that God defines the relationship. God determines at what point the dew appears in a person's life. God has established that. So here we have Adam and Eve living a highly functional human experience. Life in the garden. The only thing they had to do was just to experience God on God's terms and relationship. That's all they had to do. They had all the fruit of the garden they could eat of. They only had one, one tree that they were told not to eat. 
That's the only terms of the relationship that they had maintained. All they had to do was just be living in the dew and just allow, enjoy what God had created for them. But in crawls the serpent. The promise of bliss with no strings attached. I'm not really too concerned about what kind of animal this was. Some psychologists read the story of the serpent in the garden. We don't know if it was Satan or not. Uh, but we know that there's this, this, this personification of an idea. And uh, some psychologists believe that this serpent was really just speaking the inner voice of Eve. Um, you say, well, why not the inner voice of Adam? Um, well, I'd say at this point, Adam is controlled by the voice of Eve. Okay? Um, it's, it's amazing. But, but what we have here is the serpent is, is just a, a side character. We think he's the most important character. It's like, no, he's only shaking up the bottle that is Eve and Adam. You know, it's, it's like he's only stirring up what's inside of her already. And so he begins to ping on things inside of her life. He begins to talk to something. And, and, and again, Adam isn't very much involved in this. So I'm not in any way trying to villainize women on Father's Day. You know, it's like, wow, this guy's old school. But no, no, it, it, this, is, this is just how it happened. Adam is standing right there. Adam hears what's going on. Adam just kind of lets his wife do it, Okay. And so she's having this conversation, but the serpent is speaking what, what Eve wants to hear. And I really believe that the serpent speaks what all of us want to hear. Um, here is, here's the voice, what the voice said, but I rewrote it in today's language. But I encourage you to always go to the scriptures to verify whether or not I am doing a good job with it or not. Here's kind of a rewritten language. The serpent says something to her that pings inside of her. This God thing is holding you back. Our culture is really hearing that spoken to us today. You know, this old patriarchal Christian worldview, it's holding us all back. You know, God, this concept of God is holding you back. You need to live your own truth, not God's. Or how about this? You need to choose your identity because after all, as the new credit card commercial says, you get to choose your identity, not God. Or maybe this one. You can have the garden on your own terms. Or maybe this is another one that he would say is, live in the moment, eat the forbidden. Or even this is the one that probably speaks to me most. The bliss of life is better than the blessings of God. It's like, dude, yeah, I know that God thing and you got to walk with God and you got to obey God and you, you got you to gotta do this whole thing in relationship with God on his terms. But man, bliss is, bliss is awesome. I mean, there's nothing like doing a line if you know what I mean, and just feeling buzzed out. I mean, there's, bliss is awesome, it's easy, there's no discipline required for it, and, and it's so much better than the blessings of God. 
So here we are, the door is open and our masks are off and we're walking out the door. So what are we going after? There isn't anything wrong with having some really good times or enjoying life or eating from all the trees of the garden. But are we in search of bliss again in our lives? Or are we now going to use this opportunity to move about the cabin to experience the blessings of God in our life? I get it. I'm right there with Eve. Um, I'm just as insecure as anybody else. I want to feel good all the time. Don't you? Don't you just want to feel good all the, the time? It's kind of like Huey Lewis's song, for those of you who are old enough to remember, I want a new drug. I want something that's just going to make me feel good all the time. Or maybe this, I want to feel good about myself all the time. I don't want anything in the world that's going to tell me I shouldn't feel good about me. I, I, I want to feel good, and, and as I'm getting older, I'm finding that I hurt more than feel good a lot. I mean, it's part of aging and arthritis and weak knees and broken this and all that other stuff and, and human growth hormone diminishing. And so there are times it's like, I just want to feel good. Or, but there are times when I just want to feel good about myself. Or another form of bliss is we want others to feel good about us all the time. I want to create a culture. I want to be in a world where all the hostility of people's differing opinions about me disappears. Where no longer can anybody can have a negative opinion about me. I can feel good about myself. I can feel good. And everybody else, or at least I can be told that everybody else will say nothing but good things to me. We are trying to create this right now in our culture. But it's, it's like, why? It's because there's a bunch of evil people out there? No. The, the serpent knows exactly what to ping in each and every one of us. Because this really was an Eve. And it's really inside of me. I really want all of you to like me. I really want to feel good all the time. And I, I really want to feel good about myself all the time. See, we want the garden. And I think most of us even want God but we want it on my terms. It's like, I, 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 want, I want to do, it's like, man, that illustration of the science thing, that's spot on. It's like, yeah, I want to be in a right relationship with God, boop, 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 boop. I want, but, I, but I just want it all on my terms. As long as I feel good about myself, as long as it makes me happy all the time and doesn't say anything about me to me that makes me sad. Jesus actually described how some of us are going about getting this bliss and satisfaction in life, even though he's offering it too. He said in John 10, 1, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. See, we want the taste of God's bliss without living under God's rule. I get it. I mean, I'm right there with you. I'm right there. I, I want the bliss of God, but I want to climb in a different way. I don't want Christianity. I mean, and when I say Christianity, I'm referring to the real deal. Okay, I'm not, I'm not talking about uh, Bible Belt Church. 
all right, or uh, some mainline, main denominational kind of presentation that, that might have misrepresented what Christ, I'm talking about real Jesus stuff. Um, but for a lot of us, we want the bliss without the rule of God. I had this example take place uh, as a pastor. I, there was this young lady, this is about 15 years ago. She had just had a breakup with her boyfriend and it didn't really work out well. And uh, so, um, so she met with me and, and she said, I think I'm gonna try women now. And so one of the great things about Crosstown, I had a pastor ask me this week, what is the one thing that Crosstown does that you don't think other churches are able to do? I am able to speak where church and culture intersect with no damage. A lot of churches just, you, you know, I've talked to some great pastors in our city and they're like, we wish we could talk like you, but our organization would not allow us to speak the way that you're speaking. So one of the great things I get to be able to do is to talk the way that we do. He's like, yeah, well, we'll I don't know if we'll ever break a thousand, but that's okay. I don't, I don't care about that. Um, I don't need to feel good about myself in, in that way. But so years ago, she, she's a, she was a friend of mine and, and, and I loved her. And, and, and so she came to me and told me, she said, listen, I'm, I'm about to, uh, didn't work out with these dudes. Dudes are too difficult. And I'm gonna, I have a date with a girl and, and I'm gonna see how it goes. And I just loved the fact that she was talking to a pastor about that. I, I just considered myself honored. So uh, she was gonna have her first liaison with this other woman. And I said, okay, so uh, tell me, what, how are you gonna base whether or not this is what God wants for your life? She told me that she was going to try it. Um, and if it, it didn't feel right, then um, she wouldn't pursue it any further. So I, as a good pastor, did exactly what you do in this situation. I made a list of all the reasons why it was going to feel really Right. It's like, wait a minute, you didn't, you didn't tell her all the things that were going to, uh, you know, what's wrong about it? Like, oh, no, no, no. I, I told her exactly, uh, that, yeah, if you're not going, if you think not liking it is going to be your determination, let me tell you what's wrong. You don't have to deal with men. Ladies, don't say anything out loud. I know you could have amen me at that particular point. But I mean, we are a little difficult to deal with. Okay, we're, we're little odd birds. I mean, just imagine a relationship where there's this, uh, this sister bond that doesn't need any explanation. You know, you already, I mean, with me and my wife, it takes us about an hour to communicate why I don't want those plants around the pool and she wants those plants around the pool. What I meant was, when I said I thought it looked ridiculous, what I meant was, what you heard was, and crying and running out of the room, and then when I stopped crying and came back into the room, I mean, it was just like all that stuff. Um, and it's like, I'm like, you're not gonna have to mess with any of that. I mean, you're gonna communicate real well, I, and, and I won't go too far with this, but it really was what I said. You know, the whole guys figuring, have an idea about sex and what's supposed to be accomplished in it and how to go about it and all that other stuff. Okay, I won't go too far, but you're not gonna have to mess with all that crap, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, but we're whacked in our heads a little bit as dudes. So I said, you're gonna absolutely love it. 
She said, I can't believe you're trying to talk me out of it. I'm like, no, I'm just telling you, don't be surprised. I said, but let me just tell you a couple of things that are gonna happen. Because I've already spoken the good the things that you want. I said, at some point, are you gonna jettison Christianity? And she said, no. And I said, okay, let me just tell you what's gonna happen. You're gonna go do this. You're gonna love it. Then you're going to try to figure out how do I get God in my garden? How do I keep God and the garden and the bliss together on my terms? I said, so what you're going to do is then you're going to start rewriting scripture. Then you're going to villainize the apostle Paul. You're going to say Moses really wasn't inspired by God. And at some point you're going to end up at a church where all gods are equal and whatever you believe about yourself and God, that's all that matters. And I said, and then you, because I know you, because you're smart and you're analytical, you're going to take the next step. That if all are all gods, then there are no gods, then why not be an atheist? The young lady is an atheist today and hates my guts. And she told me, because you told me exactly what was going to happen and it was exactly what happened. Was it because I was angry with her? Uh, was it because I was being ugly or anything? No, it was just logical. You cannot have the garden and God and blessings and the dew of heaven on your own terms. We're trying to create a culture where you can have all that. You know, that's exact. We're rewriting. We're rewriting Christianity. We're rewriting church. We're rewriting America. We're, we're just saying it's like, no, you start with you first. Define yourself. Define God. And define culture. Like, ooh. Okay? Um, just know this. You may get your bliss. And it may feel good. Um, but you can't have God, the garden, in life on your own terms. Jesus says, somebody who climbs into it that way is a thief. You can get your stuff, you can get your buzz, you can get your affirmation. I come from a drug background. You know, I mean, it's awesome. Drugs are amazing. I love what Jordan Peterson said about cocaine. He said, it's... It's not that the question should be, why is it that so many people uh, do cocaine? The question should be, why isn't everybody doing cocaine? Because life without God, without any bliss, is absolutely miserable. Living in a garden where there is no dew ends up being a drought and a desert in a short order. And the crazy thing is God wants to give us all this stuff. He wants to give us sexual fulfillment. And, and let me just say, that wasn't, that wasn't a, a little treatise on, on sexuality. You could have, I could have said this about a guy who, who loved golfing, okay? Because I've seen guys lose their lives on golfing. I've seen people trade away on career pursuits, the garden of God. It's not just sex. It's not just people with, with uh, uh, gay people. No, no, I, I'm seeing it. I see it, guys trade away it with pornography in heterosexual relationships. I mean, there's, every one of us hear the whisper of the serpent, the invitation to a bliss with no strings attached. 
The crazy thing is God wants to give us blessings. That's the a, that's a crazy thing. Listen to John's prayer again. He says in th- uh, uh, John, uh, 3 John chapter 1, he says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Man, I want to get me some of that. For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. That is how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this is to hear my children walking in the truth. It's right there. John was praying for his followers. He said, I pray that you may prosper. It's like, what? I mean, I really have a hard time with that prayer because I'm kind of like, just suck it up, buttercup, loved God. You know, you shouldn't have to get prosperity, you know? And maybe it's because I'm a baby boomer and I see all the selfish uh, stuff that baby boomers have, some of us baby boomers have done over the years, you know? But it's, bottom line, it's right in scripture. I pray that you may prosper. Wow, look at this other one. I pray that you may be in good health. I want that. I mean, John's praying the will of God. But remember the dew point? Remember where the temperature of the air and the object have to correlate? And that's when the dew appears? So listen to the dew point. He says, I pray that you may prosper as your soul prospers. See, as your soul is a correlation to prosperity. It's like, I don't want you getting more stuff than what your soul has already got. I mean, I want your soul to grow. I want the dew of heaven to be on your life. I want you to be so in love with God in relationship with God. And out of that place, I can give you stuff. But he doesn't just say, I want you to prosper. He said, no, I want you to prosper as your soul prospers. Meaning, I don't want you, Eve or Adam, to trade away the garden just to get your bliss. He talks about walking in the truth, the truth, God's truth. Some of us are wanting self-fulfillment at the cost of our souls. Man, I, I came through the 70s. I, I'm surprised I'm still standing here today. I can, we did everything. I, you know, I look at this culture and everybody's like, look where America's going to hell in a handbasket. Well, you know, if, if that's the case, then us baby bloomers, we sewed the basket. We made the basket, okay? Because we partied our brains out. And I remember what bliss was like. And I was talking to a friend the other day, and it was like, I mean, I was into angel dust, I was into LSD, I was into cocaine, I was into uh, smoking weed. I mean, there was no drug I didn't try. There was no band I didn't see. There was no experience that I did not experience in the 70s. I'm serious. I mean, I, was, I can't describe everything, but I, I was in everything. But why, in the height of being in the everything, why did I walk away from it? I mean, if it was so good, if it was so amazing, if the woman were so hot, the sex so free, that, I mean, if it was, I mean, I was like living in a ZZ Top music video. Okay, if it was so good, it's because my soul dried up because there was no dew from heaven. There was just the bliss of the earth. 
And it's like in the middle of it, while I was in the height of it, I, I remember telling my buddies, it's just something wrong with my life, man. It's like, what are you talking about? I mean, dude, we're, we're living it, you know? I mean, we were living it. I cannot overstate we were living it. It's like, why'd you walk away from me? It's because there was, I did not feel the sense that God and purpose and meaning and the blessings of heaven were with me. And all that bliss just showed itself being empty. We, and I mean America and the American church, declare the promise of the pursuit of happiness and prosperity. But like America, like Adam and Eve, sometimes we want the garden without God. I was listening to that song again. God bless America, land that I love, stand beside her. I'm like, I'm not even sure I'd sing that song today. Not because I'm not American. I'd go to war for America today if they'd take me back. It's because... Americans looking for a blessing from God without having a God-ordained and defined relationship with God is an empty and vain prayer, let alone a bad song. It's like, wow, he's really anti-American. No, I'm not. Uh, But I don't want America without God. I don't care what anybody wants to turn this into. I mean, a city of happiness. I don't want a city of happiness. I want the city of God. I want to know the presence of God. I want to know the purposes of God, the meaning of life. When all the drugs are gone and all the sex changes have happened and and we've slept with it or identified ourselves a gazillion different times and had the jobs and, and, and have the money and all that stuff, and when all of it goes quiet and we walk out, And the lights come on in the bar because last call has happened. And we look around and realize it's just sticky floors and dark ceilings. And just, you know, we go home and wake up next to somebody we don't even know who they are. That's bliss. But I tell you what, it's not the garden of God. So this series is going to be about living the do. Because I can tell you this, I've been just about everywhere in my life and never with my broken back and my wore out knees and my arthritis and my every witchawabit wazuzi thing hurting me, you know, whatever it is, I have never, see some of you have wazuzis, I saw you. You're like, oh, amen brother right there, I feel that. (laughs) I tell you what, I have never felt closer to God, more alive, more connected with something bigger than the universe because my identity in Christ is secure because I'm not afraid of a God who walks in the garden because I can have fellowship with him. Is it because I'm perfect? No. But I'm invited through Christ. Christ invites me back into a place of relationship with with God. And that's what God wants to do for us. So we're, we're running out the door with our masks off, and I'm loving it. I'm out there hollering and screaming, and you know, uh, I was at Publix a couple days ago, and I just got so excited about being outside, and I just yelled to some guy, let's make it happen, man! 
<laughs> he looked at me like he was a weirdo. <laughs> I was just so jacked to be back, you know, to be alive and, and all that. And it's, it's like, so we're running out the door. But are we running out the door for our bliss? And do we think bliss is really going to work for us? You can call yourself whatever you want. But if you are not calling yourself what God calls you, you're going to be a wanderer throughout the land. Guys, if you're a dude here and you think that it's time to uh, upgrade your wife choice, you know, let me just tell you, it ain't going to work. If you think moving to another city to get a, take a job that will pay you more money is going to make it happen, it's not going to work. If you think you should sell your house now because it's worth twice as much as you bought it for, but I don't care that the kids were raised in this house, and I don't care if it will pull them out of their schools, and I don't care if uh, they lose all their friends, but I got to sell my house because it's going to make a lot of money. Oh, yeah, good luck with that. There will always be a serpent that will whisper into your ear that you can have bliss without God. It doesn't happen. I know, and some of your younger people are saying, well, you just feel this way because you're old. You know, it's because you're now, you're, you're in your 60s and all old people smarten up. I tell you what, this country is filled with a lot of dumb 60-year-olds that are absolutely miserable. The divorce rate among 60s and older is higher now in America than it's ever been in history because everybody's finding out Unless you have God in the garden, bliss does not pay off. So we're going to start our pursuit together. And I really believe God's going to show us how to experience blessings. I mean, real blessings in marriage, in parenting, in ownership, in property, through serving. I mean, I think God's really going to, the dew of heaven is going to come to us as we align ourselves with his principles that God will bless us. Father, we thank you for this moment. God, I thank you for exposing maybe even some of us Christian people that we've been playing, uh, you know, I'll give money so God can give me money routine. God, that's not what you wanted. Or maybe I'll go to church so God won't hurt me routine. That's not what you wanted either. But God, you wanted us to walk in relationship with you on your terms. You want us to trust you, that you know how to identify us. You know how to bless us. You know how to take care of us. So Father, in this moment, we ask that you would bring the dew of heaven. You said whenever two or more are gathered in my name, when we are seeking the throne of God, you said, there I am, there the dew of heaven is. When, when we want you, you are there. So Father, as we take communion, as we have this moment together, just speak to our hearts. Show us where we've compromised. Show us where we've, we, we listened to the serpent. Where we've, where we've,
pursued the bliss instead of the blessing. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord.